0: Good evening and welcome to Cinema Death Cult. I'm your host, Adam Bolger. And tonight we are gathered here for, um, well, it's probably going to be part one of uh, voiceover commentary of the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. Uh, or, you know, depending on how things go, maybe I'll just do the whole fucking movie, put out a 15 hour audio commentary. In any event, on a countdown, I'm watching it on HBO Max, and uh, we're going to start at, I'm going to say go, and then you start, okay? Countdown from five. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay, so here we are. (laughs) I'm going to lay it out for you. Okay, here's here's the graphic beginning. It's Not really so interesting. I think actually, like, um, Marvel's is kind of better. I hate to say it. Uh, All right, so the whole reason why I wanted to do this thing is because I was surprised at how much I liked this movie the first time I watched it. And I've thought about it a lot. I really didn't care anything about any of the um, DC universe movies up until now uh in fact i thought batman versus superman was an actively bad movie but then i I put this on and i gave it a chance and i think it's um pretty terrific and it's the only it should be the last superhero movie I first of all as you're watching now it begins with the death of superman (laughs) That's the first thing that happens in this movie, is Superman dies. Like, the most famous, most iconic, and I think the first superhero, he dies. That's the first scene of this movie. All right? This is a movie that's attempting to elevate comic books, or uh, if not elevate, plumb the highest heights possible of comic books. It's trying to bring up Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman Uh, and so on, to the level of, like, the Iliad, to the level of mythology, uh, in a real way. Like, you know, I I mean, like, so, like, you know, the superhero movies, like, all these characters do big things, but they're not really big characters. And they're not really big stories, you know? Uh, I mean, you see these things that, you know, special effects bring alive and whatever, and it's funny that we're so bored we're bored of that spectacle. But this one Zack Snyder he really wants to make these characters big and resonating uh in a in a really ambitious way. And uh, and he doesn't fulfill that ambition. He can't do it. Uh superhero stories can't support you know, that weight, that kind of depth. And uh, that's just sim- the... That, but we didn't... That wasn't a certainty until this movie. And that's why I think this movie is so interesting and so important. Because it shows the absolute limits of how um, important and real and big and epic that a superhero movie can be. And it shows the limit, and it gets there. And it's... That limit... Uh, it does not expand as far as the movie's ambitions. And, I mean, you re- it doesn't work. And because you can't make an epic out of these superhero things, right? They've sh- the- this movie demonstrates that's impossible. That even when you put in your best, your best effort, there's something about it that's just not quite there. All right? So if you can't really do an epic on that scale then why bother with these things at all? I mean, the whole point of comic book movies is that when, you know, you first encounter them, like all these superhero things, like they're power fantasies. And so if you're like a 10-year-old or 12-year-old, you know, kid, and you encounter them, and, you know... Your mind starts, or even younger, probably like eight to ten. Your mind will really start reeling with the possibilities of what Superman and so forth can do. And that's actually, I think, a lot of what the popularity of Superman hinges on. This idea where your mind reels with what he could do. You know, it's sort of like, does is his hair super powered? Uh, you know, if he sp- if he span if he spun around on his head for a while, could it? be like some kind of super mop. And what I, I mean, that sounds like I'm making a joke. No, that was a real comic book, a Superman. <laughs> There's a Superman cover That that has a, plays out that scenario Alright, so you're You're trying to in, explore And really test how big these characters Can be, they loom large in your imagination But you also don't really know a lot of the world And its complexities And you really don't know a lot about processing stories And storytelling So, you know, these things will really Take hold of your imagination And Really, you know, really inspire a lot of you know thought that seems pretty deep. But then, you know, I mean, the, the trajectory used to be that you would grow up after that, and now, now, now you don't. I was going to say for a second that you can't. That's why I hesitated. I mean, you know, like um, I'm in my forties, you know, and it's, you know, everyone watches Marvel movies, man. And people my age and all their, they watch them with their kids too. And everybody sees them. And uh, there's even kind of artsy-fartsy people I know. They'll go to the movies and, you know, see them with their kids because it's like, I don't know, it's it's what we're all swimming. It's the water we're all swimming in and so forth. All right. But, you know, uh, and you hear some kind of apologies for them, but you don't hear a lot of enthusiasm for the Marvel movies. And this came out, oh, boy. Okay, so the original story of this movie is that uh, Zack Snyder made it, showed it to the Warner Brothers movie studio executives, and they, were, they hated it because they wanted it to be a Marvel movie. And so um, Zack Snyder's daughter tragically committed suicide um, around this time. I don't know anything beyond that about his family and his life. I just know that that happened, and I'm sorry for him. And his loss, but in any event, it was contemporaneous to uh, the time when he was clashing with the Warner Brothers executives about this film, and so he half stepped down, half got fired from the movie before it was released. And maybe before he was even fired, they had already brought in another guy. And the other guy they brought in was uh Joss Whedon, um, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer asshole. Uh, who directed and wrote the first Avengers movie and kind of set the, um, you know, the uh, dialogue-heavy, quirked-up bullshit tone of the Marvel movies, that aspect of it, at least. He was the guy that did that. And so the DC people were like, oh, I got to bring in this fucker because he's got to lighten up, you know, this bullshit that Zack Snyder turned in. All right, I'm going to turn back to the movie for a second. Um... So look at this shit. Look at these fucking beautiful aerial shots of this mountainscape. And a guy like fucking like leading a horse down a mountain. It's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. So like, you know, I was saying before that the the, the superhero movies, they ruin spectacle. But this one, uh, you know, brings spectacle back. <laughs> so I mean, but so you have these like panoramic, beautiful, like this is big movie wide shots. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, you a deep apologies. I meant to take note of The first text appears on the screen, which is that this movie is kept in uh, four colon three to preserve Zack Snyder's artistic vision. So basically, looks like a square, and there are black black bars on the sides. And um, because it's a square, you start to notice when things are real when in the center of the frame. So you know, so track Batman right here. She's not in the center of the frame very much. Batman, Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne. I really like him in this movie. I'm not a Ben Affleck fan. I'm not even a Batman fan, but I think it's an interesting... He says, like, an interesting face, an interesting approach to it. Uh, I mean, it seems more like a real character. Oh, yeah, so then he goes down here, and this is some place on Earth. Like, it's a real place that exists. Iceland or Switzerland or Sweden or something. Look at that. Look at these people. They're so interesting. You know, I mean, like, it's it's glossy and it's Hollywood, but this is a this is some dying art show. Yeah, part one. Don't count on it, Batman. Yeah, I mean, this is part of, like, it is kind of a corny fucking movie. <laughs> I mean, there's some corny elements to it. I was talking about it as an epic and stuff. But, yeah, there's some bad dialogue and uh, things that, you know, it doesn't, it seems kind of pretentious and not good enough to really support those pretensions. Um, so when it does have the clunky dialogue, you do notice but I'll take that clunky dialogue, you know. <laughs> I'll take that clunky dialogue over over the zippy quips of Marvel. I, I prefer this. At least this feels like um an attempt at real storytelling. Oh yeah, and also this this movie also is something that I usually can't stand, but it explains something to me. This is a an important movie for me in a way for understanding movie making. So this is, like, a real digital-looking movie. And you can tell it's extremely color-corrected. And, like, everything is a little bit darker than it really could be. Um, which is, you know, like most modern movies are like this, right? And, like, the lighting is kind of weird. And you can tell that there's some trickery going on because, you know, you start thinking about it and stuff. And but that's just what most movies are like now because they're all filmed against green screens and, you know, modern, like, um, blockbuster films, Uh you know, not A twenty four or independent films. But it looks like one of those, right? It has this sort of too much darkness, the colors are drained out. Um But in but with this one, you can see its purpose. Because it doesn't it looks a little bit more gritty and realistic. Like it's a little bit muted and it kind of makes it feel more like real life. So whenever like really Outlandish, fantastical elements come in it lands in a different way, like it seems to blend better with the reality of the movie, like visually, you know, oh yeah, so now he's in this bar and oh, this is this is yeah he's in this I guess like bar restaurant this remote village and wherever he is, and uh, he's talking to Aquaman, and he's like um Shawnee's smart, which is interesting. It's a patient scene, too. Because this whole time, you know, he's been pretending to be, you know, like he didn't understand Aquaman. Then he understands Aquaman. And now he's giving everybody money, which is very funny. Uh, Yeah, Arthur Curry, you're the Aquaman. But what's really interesting about this scene, all right, so you have the most ridiculous superhero, I guess, is probably Aquaman. Like everybody knows deep in their soul, it's obvious he's stupid. He's like a fish guy. Anytime there's a fish guy that's not him, uh, you know, it's a joke. Like, you know, like fucking, uh, the boys or, um, Adventure Brothers or something. Like a fish superhero is stupid. You know, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you're on land where everything happens? Everything to humanity happens on fucking land. I uh, mean, yeah, there's a limited amount of activity on boats. Sure. I'll give you that. And people go swimming and so forth. But, you know, he can't really engage with, uh, the majority of human behavior from the ocean or even a swimming pool <laughs> so he 's ridiculous, right but what this this scene is really interesting because what it tries to do is it tries to reframe him as this mis- mysterious elemental god, and it 's a hundred percent sold by the the reactions of the villagers around him um, how, the way that they treat him with this reverence, and they sing this haunting beautiful, soulful song. And it just is piercing. It's piercing and it's amazing. And it always takes me out of nowhere. So you know, so this 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 fish asshole that we've been making fun of all our lives, all of a sudden he's this uh God like figure you're supposed to have like reverence for. And you can see it from like this like oh uh, look at this. I mean it's like like they're under a spell. I know she always looks like. Too, oh yeah, and then like like religious art. His clothes are like religious artifacts. But also, there's a little bit maybe of a, like she wants to fuck him. Thing too, which is cool, obviously. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, she sniffs the sweater. Oh, and this harmony comes in. It's also nice that the girl who's doing the sweater thing is not the highest singer; like she's not the lead. I got some lady in the background, you know. That would have been too much. But it would have been like watching *Les Mis*. You know, she's like touching the sweater, singing like the lead vocal. Uh, this is pretty boilerplate and boring. Yeah. So then again, yeah. Again, like so. That's like trying to get that epic biblical thing going on, like. I, and it's, and it's crazy and ambitious that they did it with fucking Aquaman. The joke the joke one. Who subsequently, you know, just, you know they, just, they made another movie. Actually, before this one, I guess. Um, you know, they made a movie with him and it was all jokey and stuff. Uh, it was not a bad movie, to be honest. Oh, yeah, so there's this epic, sweeping, um, you know, middle American vista. So this is sort of like the first one. Uh, what is it called? Man of Steel. The first one is actually a lot like most. Most of the movie looks like that. That kind of Ameri- like washed out Americana thing. Oh, this is a great shot. Oh yeah, yeah. and here's um, motherf- Dead Ringers, motherfucker, the Englishman. He's the best Alfred of, of them all. Uh, Jeremy Irons. He's really good because he's a whole different vibe because he's guy like, pretty capable. And, you know, he's not just, like, he's not a reluctant guy. He's more just, like, he gets the stakes and wants to help out, you know, Batman. <laughs> yeah, all of, all of uh, Ben Affleck looks good here, man. It's a good vibe. Like, this is kind of like, uh, you know, let's, I would wear all these clothes. I would have my hairstyle the same way. You know, I feel like there's, he is a very good, um. what do you call it? Identification character for me, you know, it's like, no, (laughs) obvious. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is bullshit. I think it was bullshit casting for Amy Adams to be Lois Lane. This is a petty little, petty little gripe. Um, I know I'm. Everything I've said so far has been very portentous, (laughs) very weighty, and so forth. But yeah. So Lois Lane has, like, four attributes. She's, like, a reporter. She's spunky. She loves uh, uh, Superman, Clark Kent, and she's smart, and she has, like, black or brown hair. And then there's a lot of actresses with black or brown hair. So why do you bring in this ginger actress? You know, and she's good and stuff. And this is stupid criticism. It was who fucking cares? Like, it's the comic book, not the Holy Koran. (laughs) Um and I'm like, you know, uh, that was my thought. Uh, that was a real thought I had. So I thought I'd share it with you. It's pertinent as we're watching the movie. Anyway, um, yeah. So now there's like this really sad um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed song that comes in, which is kind of wild that the movie, I think there's like four songs in the movie, and two of them are Nick Cave. And. Uh, that's a very interesting choice for a superhero movie. Weird, what well, they call it needle drops, stupid term. Anyway, so, but it, it, it's a real misstep because it's a good song, and I, but it fails to be moving because it comes right on the heels of that fucking insane, uh, uh, Nordic, uh, soulful, weird, piercing, chanting lady song, you know? So here we are, uh, I guess in New York. Or is it, I don't know, fucking London? Some bullshit. Oh, yeah, it's a made-up place. This isn't a real place. This is a metropolis. Yeah. That's why. Oh, no, no, wait. This is a European city. This is the Wonderland scene. I, don't know, I was very thrown by that Superman banner on the bridge. Uh, so, oh, yeah, so also um, Gail Godot makes a lot more sense in this movie. Oh, yeah, watch this guy's briefcase. So this is a this terrorist group. I remember what I was saying about things being the center of the frame. In this square frame, right? So, in a second, keep your eyes on the suitcase. Watch this. This is some pure cinema shit. No dialogue. Almost, but just out of the center of the frame. Pretty much consistently. And it keeps cutting back to it. What is the suitcase? What could it be? I mean, it's you know generally dramatic. And it's also very... Uh, this fucking. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to oversell this, but I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But I'd say there's some Hitchcock there. I'd say there's some motherfucking Hitchcock there, right? You know, just like this... You know, we don't know anything about this briefcase, and we've just been following it. And I'm just like it's been in the, every frame, almost in the center this entire time. So we know it's something... Very critical. Like, we very rarely see this guy's face. Like, the only, you only see his face to, like, kind of punctuate the motion. Which the most of the motion is carried through by this fucking suitcase. Oh, yeah, and then it goes into the gun. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Now, this is the first, like, action scene in the movie. And it's actually one of the, one of the best. Um... I wouldn't. This is pretty gritty for a superhero movie. I feel like they don't have like that amount of like tactical gear and guns anymore. Like, like maybe in the the Winter Soldier, I feel like that was the last time that you saw like a whole bunch of machine guns. Oh yeah, this is pretty wild. The way they introduce uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's just chilling, standing on the top of this, you know, lay, this Justice statue. Ah. Yeah, her song is very Middle Eastern or uh, Asian or, I don't know, I guess Middle Eastern. Oh, there you go. So then he opens the suitcase and, it's, you know, a bunch of bombs and shit. Uh, you know, who cares? But also he could have just, like, walked up the stairs and it could have been a quick cut scene and then he opens the suitcase and, like, oh, yeah, a bunch of bombs. Who cares? We kind of saw that come. But, you know, we have we've, we've been with this suitcase for so long. Now it seems suddenly important. I'll get a shot. Um, oh, yeah, it's, you know, obviously it's cool. It's cool that it's like a girl's, like a, a girl school thing because i like a girl power in a very organic way. I like this, too. So she asks who... Who he is. And then she, he says he's a terrorist, and he starts like spatting out his ideology, which to him is the truth. And then Gel Gado, Gil Gadot, I don't know how you say it. So she just goes boring in her fucking crazy Israeli accent. Like there are so, there must be, I know there must be people from Israel who can take or leave that accent when they're. Uh, you know, going into English When they're speaking English, right? Like, I know Natalie Portman, for example But I don't know, so I think she left Israel when she was young But, you know, it's possible, right? I'm just, she just Like, a lot of her job is speaking But anyway, but this movie makes, makes sense of her anyway It makes better use of her Because, I mean, she is so physically beautiful And she's a good, um... Once she's in motion, she's very interesting and very good. Her performance is, like, very physical. She's a very good physical actress, right? Like, and, and fuck that dialogue shit anyway. Like, all, you know, we watch all these talky fucking Marvel movies. Let's get in somebody who's, like, can't talk. Let's make that not the focal point, you know? But, yeah, then you see her move, and especially with this, like, computer-assisted special effects and these poses and things that she does, she really sells it. She's really good about doing that in an extraordinary way. Look at that. That's a beautiful shot. And, you know, look at that. It's like just just a, the camera kind of loves her, and she's just able to pose very well. I mean, stuff that you would think would be easy, but it gets fucked up so badly all the time. And, oh, yeah, this is when they're just showing this thing off when the, this next move, which is so ridiculous because it's almost like... Like, you know, you're graphing out an equation the way she moves. But then you gotta kinda accept that. Because, you know, she's like this impossible lady, it's superpowers and it's magic and it's not real. So and she could move this way in a spectacular way. And so quickly and, and in an angular way that she's able to outpace bullets and so forth. And she's beautiful, you know, you can't you can't underestimate that. <laughs> uh I right, see so yeah this gun, yeah, yeah, and again, it's good, like you know she doesn't have to say like some one liner this look yeah, and look at this, look at this, like you know, like there's different kinds of acting, you gotta understand, like people don't recognize this enough, there's like physical <laughs> you know she's good at acting and physical acting in in wild, slow motion, and you yeah, know, that's probably a pretty rare a rare thing for somebody to be really good at. And cause, and, I'm, and you can see with some certainty it's a rare thing because that doesn't happen in a ton of movies. And so that's part of why anytime she's in any other movie, it's like fucking bullshit. But here she's really good. And this is very interesting. That boom, you know, the huge sonic boom, which somehow has zero blowback. Like I kind of expected the first time I watched it after what they they surveyed all the destruction outside... And you see that the guy died, the, very, the hat dropped and it's, that's very cool. A hat with smoke coming out of it. You'd expect some blowback, and for, you know, a little bit, you know, like some pebbles or some some kind of debris to have hit these girls. But they're all just like, it's like they're just like uh, all used to hair dryer, and there's nothing more intense than that, which is fine. I don't want to see the girls hurt, but, I was, you know, you watch the intensity. I watch the intensity at least. And I expect this. Oh, here's a little girl power thing. She says, like, you can do whatever you want to do, or, you know, which is nice. You know, whatever. That's fine. That's cool. That's great, you know? I, I you know, also, that's another thing is I, I, like, my daughter is eight, and, you know, she does all this, she engages with some superhero stuff, but I think in a really interesting way, because she kind of mixes up. You know, I think, like, Wonder Woman is her entry character. because She mixes it all up with Greek mythology all the time. You know, these, so, like, and for her it's very cool that, you know, there is a connection with Greek mythology uh, and Wonder Woman. So it's like she'll, like, be like, hi, I'm Wonder Woman, and my father is Zeus. And, you know, like, you know, and then she's, like, just connects it to all the Greek gods, but also, like, Sailor Moon and other, you know, whatever. She just like puts it all, mixes it in a pot like gumbo, but yeah, so I was watching this movie, and I thought, you know, Sunday, I think she would really like this because it 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 does it it has the same view of like the you know mythology uh it as as her imagination, you know it has the same kind of mix of mythology. As something you know big and epic and superhero stories you know that you know the same fluidity that she has like the, for her, all these things flow together and it flows together in this movie too, you know, both like in a kind of um, like th- these are the characters that are in it, you know, like Zeus actually is fucking in this movie, you know i'm like ah it's terrific, and so it speaks to the sincerity of um The non-ironic viewing Of superhero Stories It's trying to make it big You know But it can't Yeah but it can't handle it Which is funny It's Because it really is like um, there's, There's not enough story To support this Thing here And there's not enough depth to it You know I mean it gets to the absolute limits of it There's not enough depth this is such a big... This is, a, this is the first, like, battle scene. And this is a tough scene to watch. Uh, I like it a lot. The first time you see Steppenwolf, he looks terrific. You know, he has this, like, metallic costume. always in motion. So he's, like, this spiky, spiky thing that can't rest. You know, he's inhuman in a profound way. I remember I was talking about, like, the way it uses darkness... So now we have all these like completely unreal, fantastical elements in the screen. Like you have Wolf, uh, you have all these like, Bugman henchmen. And it looks better in the screen than it would on a brighter screen. It looks more, it, it's easier to accept. And so once I made peace with that, all these things are easier to accept. It's like when, if you watch a movie in the 80s and there's, like, an action scene with a lot of darkness, you know, like, it's in, and they go in, and they use the darkness, you know, for storytelling. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're just impatient and want to just see, like, a fight, it's frustrating. You know, you just want like, to see them fight in broad daylight, so you can see it in every detail. But if you are able to, like, appreciate it as a storytelling element, and you'll meet the movie halfway. It becomes something interesting. Yeah, it's a little messy, a little messy like thing here. So here's the, here's here's why this scene is kind of, uh, it's very good, but it's not my favorite scene to revisit because um, the whole point of this battle is that the Amazons had to put on a really good show, but still be defeated, and they had to be defeated pretty thoroughly. Because you want to show the threat. This is the first time you see the bad guys, you know, so you want to show how incredible that you know what what an overwhelming, urgent threat they are, and you know what what a what a certain defeat the good guys are in for, you know. But also, you can't kind of shortchange the Amazon at the same time. So you are serving two uh, you are serving two masters, you know. <laughs> you are. You're, you're serving two purposes that are in conflict because you want to show how threatening and powerful the bad guys are, but you also want to show how impressive and heroic and good fighting that the Amazons are. But the Amazons have to lose for the more important first part, first point, to really be thoroughly made, right? Um, so the whole, you know, you're watching like the Amazons be, get owned. They, like, you know, put up a good fight, but they're, they're thoroughly outmatched. So that's not a fun dynamic, you know? So they do all this cool shit where it's, like, they're just a step ahead of looming defeat, but they're ultimately defeated, you know? It's like, oh, they put up a good fight. You know, it's, you know, like, that happens and shit, you know? You got to say that. You know, you don't win every fucking battle in a war, you know? You look at how you win the war over, overall, and sometimes, you know, even your best troops are going to lose, you I know. I'm sorry. I was listening to a Civil War podcast. So. <laughs> There's really not a Civil War corollary in this movie, but, you know, made me think about generals. I don't know. All right, so here we are. Uh, yes, that's why this scene is, is somehow very good and kind of sucks at the same time. Oh, yeah. Look oh, at yeah, this, this. This visual... This visually tells a story of how much of the sacrifice that they make, right? Everybody just dies, and this building is swallowed up by the sea, right? In this heroic sacrifice, and they gave it their all. Oh, uh, Zach, uh, what's this? Yeah, uh, Josh Whedon, in his version that was released when Zack Snyder left the movie, he cut all that shit out. I mean, in fact, if you went go through the movie and you look at if you look at every like epic, memorable shot he cut them all out of the movie and all that like hitchcock shit uh, you know little tension building stuff with the suitcase um that was chopped up to hell too it was funny it was like it, it's like he was on a um like he had a mission you know like get an imperative to take out everything good about the movie oh yeah and then she looks down and there's this you think it's over but it's not over it's a great scene, and it's it's interesting pacing too, and also yeah, you you know, it's it's slow, and there's sort of a, a build, and a lot of it is like playing out in her face, and all these guys come up and they're terrifying, uh, well a little cartoony, there there are a couple shots of the bugmen, uh, where I forget their name in the, you know, in the movie, let's say bugmen because they have these great insect wings, you know. Um, they look like very, like, um, almost like a, uh, they could high contrast black and white, like, um, like Orson Welles, you know, like there's, there's something about it, like that crazy depth of field, high contrast, you know, like, f- like super photorealistic, like, like, like when Kubrick does black and white movies or, um. You know, Orson Wells, like I like I said before. I mean not a lot like you know, those are whole movies that have everything like that. Here there's a couple like fleeting scenes where it looks like that, you know. but Yeah. Right, so I like it when he throws around the horses and stuff. I forget if he punches a horse. You know, you know, there's a lot of fucking funny cruelty to horses. I guess I'm happy for um digital rendering of horses so I can feel like it's an okay thing to say. I don't feel morally conflicted, find a pleasure in horses getting you know, knocked over and flipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very kinda of, oh yes, yeah, so it looked very like um, Clash of the Titans and, and there's kinda of like a little bit of Lord of the Ringsy kinda of element to it too. It's fine. You know, that's just the vibe of this scene. Yeah. So I try to stay, you know, keep you know, a valiant effort, a valiant but doomed effort. And then, you know, the movie gives them their due. It it's respectful to the Amazons, you know. Again, you know, the, uh, as I recall the Joss Whedon cut, I think he, you know, doesn't have any of this shit. Or most of it's not in there. I mean, he, you know, the Amazon, (laughs) look at that, that's silly, Uh, again, it falls over with the weight of its pretensions, honestly, I mean, I'm glad, I love its ambitions, I love this movie, man, I still like it a lot, but it's, oh yeah, it's cool, it catches the arrow, um... (laughs) You know, but, I mean, the thing is, at its core, I think it's trying, I, I think that the core of the movie, I think that the theme is, like, exhorting its audiences to, you know, you know, to try to to action. Like, you know, it's like, we, hey, we can do it, fellas. All hope is not lost. I mean, it's an optim- a film about optimism and the possibilities. It's like... And also, like, um, you are like the identification character. All these like epic hero guys, right? You know, so or want to be attempted, uh, epic hero guys, right? Um, all right? I'm taking a break. All right, here we are. Back again, once again, is the incredible rhyme animal. All right, so, yeah, all this, you know... This is the boring part. <laughs> so, yeah, the idea is, I think that... I mean, so I'm trying to make the best... I'm Right now, I'm trying to make a good case for this movie. Like, I'm its attorney, and it deserves a good, you know, defense. So, I mean, in terms of, like, meaning and what... You know, but I, I think that what my ultimate conclusion will be is that it lacks meaning. You know, in a, in a oh, here is part two. I should have waited to take my break. All right, so kind of short for part one. All right, so let's try to roll through part two. Oh yeah, so he goes to this Chernobyl place and like lights it up. So I think, yeah, again, like I, I think it's mostly evident in like the flash which we'll see in a minute. You know, the character of the Flash where it's like, you know, "No, you know, you can really do it, buddy. You got some potential. Go out and and get him. And you know, the the problems that you're facing are not insurmountable. Cuz, you know, it's easy and it's not a bad thing to say at all. Uh it just doesn't really say it in a quite a, a very profound way. I you know, like you I don't think you can say this movie I don't know. I mean, you know, it's trying to be a big epic thing and it really it's it's just trying to tell a big epic story like you know like you want like if you read the Iliad you know it's there are things that resonate in it in a kind of like a uh, bone deep way you know like the characterization like Hector or something or um uh Ulysses uh you know just like Odysseus rather um I mean, they're they're just things that, and and just like the the love triangle of it and the do, you know the doomed element of it and the you know the oh uh, you know the the Greek generals like um like there there's things about it that just seem like like they're part of the Earth's core uh they're you know so there's some kind of important elemental element uh, elemental element there's something like elemental. Facet about them that's like really like at the core of storytelling yeah you know? um and it's, this movie is trying to do that and and it can't you know I mean what are you gonna, fucking Batman you know Hector the best of men you know, no you're, you're a fucking you know Batman you know his uh, his parents are killed and uh and they put you know there's a fight's crime as a bat um I mean, you know, you can play the <laughs> play the character of the pathos, but you know, I think like once you put on a dumb little costume, and you have a, a you know a dumb little like, uh, I guess the animal thing. I guess you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is the first time I've thought of Batman against the Iliad, but yeah, you know, there's this. It's a silly little fucking trifle thing, you know. It's not. It doesn't have the same amount of depth and. Uh, I mean, you know, you, or you look at the Bible or something, you know. There's like somehow that's, like f- uh, burned into our subconscious, you know. All these you know things being archetypes, you know. It's like Jungian mythology, you know, and you know you can extend that to you can extend that to like you know, a lot of stuff, and that's somehow I, I'd you know I, I'd say like there's something about like Star Wars that would fit that bill, like in terms of its very like classical approach to storytelling and uh I'm just talking about the original trilogy even I guess uh, the prequels and stuff um oh and also it was very Star Wars is very consciously borrowing from uh, uh Joseph Campbell who was very much influenced by Carl Jung um, so it was like deliberately like that you know um but then so, you know, after Star Wars, everything's influenced by Star Wars. There's <laughs> uh, a really good shot of those bugmen. I think it's the first one where it's really like a, a cool, terrifying. I mean, you know, this is a horror movie. Also very Terminator 2. Everything about the <laughs> even of uh, Morton, uh, the actor from Terminator 2. Um, Joe Morton's uh, Brother from another planet Look at this Oh <laughs> Gigantic insect guy That's, uh, That would suck ass man It's like Mimic That movie Mimic Good short story by the way A, cla- a good classic sci-fi story I read last summer for the first time Very uh, brief Very you know 50s sci-fi like you know simple premise The movie um, goes a little bit beyond the short story. Uh, As you can tell, this is very Lord of the Rings to the movie's discredit. (laughs) This movie feels very Lord of the Rings to me. Oh, it's so slow and deliberate. I I mean, I love that there is this, um, it takes itself so seriously, which is great. Like, there's a lot of winking going on in Marvel movies. There's a lot of, like, what they call lampshading, a shitty internet term. But the idea is, like, you know, you highlight the the inherent ridiculousness of what you're showing. And you're like, oh, isn't this silly? Is this ridiculous? And then the audience is, like, accepts that on that terms. Like, it's, oh, yeah, they're acknowledging the ridiculousness of it. But it's a cowardly form of storytelling because, you know, because then you never, like, believe in your story. You're always just sort of, you know, cheating, you're tricking people into accepting it and, and like accepting it in a very conscious way so you can't have that like subconscious um, you know, seeps into your DNA kind of storytelling. It just, you know, just it's all like buzzy little quippy bullshit. Um, so it's nice that it's so deliberate, but it like right now, I I've seen this movie a bunch of times and I think the first time I watched this I was so bold first like a couple of times I watched it, I was so bold over by the spectacle. I have to also say that um the movie like it will you know it is a spectacle and you know, it's like it's chill as fuck. And I'd recommend watching it without my commentary. Just kinda like, you know it's relax along with it. It's a visual feast and uh in a way that's, you know, Uh, In a way, it's kind of ruined by having some bozo talking about it the whole time. (laughs) Anyway. um, Oh, yes, that took a long time. And here we are, and here's some stupid, bad dialogue. Uh, I do like that she's... It's kind of cute, and, you know, it tends to do some cute French bullshit. And cute French bullshit is such an important part of films, you know. <laughs> because every everybody's ever made a movie. You would hope. Has seen Truffaut and Godard, uh, so forth. <laughs> so you got to have some cute little French bullshit and respect for France. It's <laughs> an interesting way that France got kind of to conquer the world in a small way. It's like, you know, we made the best movies. <laughs> Uh, you know, like all the you know, we had the the, the Nouvelle Vague, French 2 Wave, and it was very not that it was the best movies. But it was, you know, we cha- we made very good movies that changed the medium in such a way that uh, you know nothing would be the same ever again. Now here's Joe Morton's, I think that's the actor's name. Yeah, obviously he's from Terminator Two, and then his character it looks exactly like a set of Terminator Two. Um, this Asian guy, he tries to do some like funny dialogue later. I think it's about, like, dating or something. Like, you know, it it feels like uh, TV sitcom stuff or even, like, TV procedural, you know, investigative crime shows or whatever. And it's the worst part of the movie. All right, yeah, this is okay. Any part where they kind of got to slow down and, like, explain stuff and talk and um, hash out these little... connective tissue details uh it's boring terrible movie yeah but you know but that's the least important part of like a movie honestly it's like these little connect the dots things but everybody is you know that's what prestige tv is now you ever watched watches tv and we're all attuned to like these little dialogue scenes and acting you know whatever and um so you're really attuned to when this stuff is bad. But you don't, but it kind of doesn't get, it it makes you forget that the real point of watching a movie is kind of like almost going to like, not a trance state, but sort of like, you know, you were, you're, it should be a little bit overwhelming almost. You know, that's why this medium is so great. You know, you're not doing this small ball bullshit. Like, guess playing not to lose bullshit. I guess Joe Morton's again. This is very this is a very funny little you know, again, small ball bullshit that, you know. Uh uh, who cares? You know. But it's like, you know, it's a funny little apartment that they're in. Why they're in this funny little apartment? Like he works in the terminator two lab. Shouldn't he fucking um have like a gazillion dollars. I right, so Here we have a cyborg. Oh, that's very funny, too. Is that like the the big MacGuffin thing that is this cosmic power, whatever the fuck it is? It's just they just have seven in a closet on a first, <laughs> on an apartment, you know, in a building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice little quibble to have with the movie. Because you have the epic other bullshit. and you know, you know, like, oh, yeah, we hit our our MacGuffin thing, the bottom of the sea. Oh, we had people guarding ours night and day. Where was yours? Oh, it was in the Terminator 2 lab. Now it's in a closet. All right. Good job, humanity. <laughs> Fell asleep at the wheel, motherfuckers. Right, and also, she looks so hot here. She looks so beautiful. Like, she doesn't have to wear like this, you know, Perfectly tailored, um overcoat and white high heels and you know. And it's nice to do that. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> I love how she drops into that. It reminds me of Castlevania from um the original Nintendo. But, you know, it's nice to have this impossibility of it. It's nice also that she again, she walks down these stairs in this, you know, sexy little outfit. Or stylish smart little outfit. I don't know what the fuck, you know. Vaguely, um, Angie Dickinson and Dress to Kill, or maybe even Vertigo. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is cool, too. Oh, then I like this a lot, what happens in a second. Like he, she goes to this mural. She goes to this mural, right? And um, Darkseid, the big comic book villain who's at the heart of this movie, uh, is drawn in the style of, like, a classical Greek um, mosaic, right? So, all this looks like it could be from a real, you know, maybe, you know, you see, and you know, antiquity art. You know, it looks like this. They did a really good job with this. Like, you know, in a textbook, you would see this stuff. And then all of a sudden, this little, slightly out of place element, which you don't really quite get at first, but that's like the the three mother boxes. That's in the rest of the movie. Uh, but it still looks like, you know, it could still be art from antiquities. Oh, and then there are, it's like Greek, yeah, Greek versions, Greek art, you know, renditions of the bug men. Okay, still, you know, it looks like it could be illustrations from we've seen a million times somehow. Or maybe, you know, this is a reality thing. Uh, but then you see Darkseid. Again, done in this sort of Greco-Roman style with Greek lettering. And, uh, you know, says something, some, I don't know what it is. She explains it all later and, you know, and takes it all seriously because she's, her thick accent renders her incapable of doing uh, quips or being ironic. So she just tells the story. That's a great little shot, this little poor old tugboat. And Nick, Nick Cave song number two is coming up just a second. It's a beautiful little shot. A beautiful little sequence. Way better than it deserves to be. You know, and it's terrifying. It's the kind of thing that burns into your, you know, burns to the back of your head. The whole movie should be this good. Just, you know, a capsizing little dinky little boat. In a punishing endless ocean. Uh, oh, yeah, there's Aquaman. Again, you know. They've this guy a lot of... <laughs> the wave comes on. It's so great. Um... They're taking this guy really seriously. They're giving him his due. I think maybe this this is, this is little bar thing looks different from the other one. I think Mavis is supposed to be like Wales or Ireland or something. I don't know. The whiskey's there. I forget if this guy just speaks in an Irish accent. Maybe just the whiskey. That's how racist I am against uh, Irish people. I only associate them with uh, whiskey. Or maybe I want Aquaman just to hang out with Irish people. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, here's the Nick Cave song. Oh yeah, this this movie really—they try to, they want you—they want you not to um, process Aquaman as a joke so much, and they go through so much effort, and it's beautiful, you know, like it's a persuasive argument. I mean, you know, but it shows the the failure and contradiction at the heart of the movie because you can't. How seriously can you take this motherfucker, Magic Fish Man? Magic fish superhero. Look at this beautiful sequence. That ocean. <laughs> throws back that fucking whiskey, man. That's cool as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, and they have a little caution sign in the front. It throws back that whiskey. There is a king. There is a king. This is a famous song. Uh... this this slow motion again he's another guy like he looks amazing in slow motion you know i mean that's why they cast him for this you know i mean he can also be a little you know smirky and smug uh but he you know he does this this slow he looks like an epic guy like a water dripping from his beard shit he goes "Woo!" yeah uh i don't know nick cave at all i've always thought you know i always like thought highly of him so i never actually like went through a Nick Cave phase and everybody listened to all of his music and now I'm too old because it all seems too gloomy. I'm not going to sit around listening to some, some sad bullshit. No way, man. I uh, listen to music while I work. <laughs> listen to lively, upbeat shit. I listen to music while I drive around with my daughter. Again, lively, upbeat shit. Um, live a lively, upbeat life, you know? All right, this is very interesting. Well, not interesting. Uh, all right, something... Speaking of my daughter, she also was very fat. I guess a, I think we, we we I used to read her like a book of superhero stories, and one of them I think mentioned Mira, and you know she seemed really important within the context of superhero stories. Mira who is Aquaman's girlfriend, played by Amber Heard in, in this movie. In this movie, she has an English accent. <laughs> the other movie, she does not. So some so at some point, she lost her English accent. She's better with it. I think they, they told her not to do it because she does it poorly, but it works for the character. Oh, here's Willem Dafoe coming out of <laughs> coming out of nowhere, sneaky Willem Dafoe. He's like, yeah, I'm in this movie. Hey, remember Last Temptation of Christ? It was a little air bubble thing. Um, but yeah, I like this. I like this dialogue because it's so serious and has the courage of his convictions. It's like son of whatever the fuck he says like he says some bullshit you know it's there's no winking and there's no like little ironic concessions to uh admitting how stupid it is or oh ha ha, ha you know hey aquaman you know whatever no just they take it seriously it's uh, it's a good choice it's a good approach to the material because you know it's like i feel better about watching it like i feel like i'm watching like something that's trying to be a real story and I do get en- engaged with it in a way that uh, I wouldn't otherwise. But, you know. Then he says stuff like, the mother got box our people guarding. Oh, yeah. No matter how good the storytelling is, the actual like elements of the story are not up to it. Yeah, take up your mother's trident. Maybe <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> some stupid bullshit from like, you know. Like a 1940s attempt at filming Ivanhoe or something, you know. Like just the weight of it. You know, you could tell like Willem Dafoe must have done like Shakespeare because he was, you know, learning all these kind of clunky lines and trying to decode them and make them sound like something somebody would say. And so, you know, you kind of just get the rhythm of the the syllables and then, (laughs) you you know, then you hope for the best. So he did that, that line. And it, take up your mother's trident. It's funny, man. All right. But look at this guy who's back in slow motion. And that statue guy. That guy comes back into play, I just realized for the first time. That guy does come back into play. Oh, I love, okay, so again, this is very interesting. So this is a brilliant. So I, I get a little bit mad about this color contrast of, uh, orange and purple, because like this was a, this isn't a lot of movies this color mix, but the orange super comes alive in this. Like the orange is so nuanced, you see it in every little glimmer and glint of his like always moving metallic body. You see it in these guys' eyes, and and you I don't think you could have had this this color effect with like a different color palette. So I'm grateful for it. Even though it's kind of the thing I'm usually like. You know, throwing some blues there, motherfucker. Like, you know, your the water looks gray. Milk's gone bad. <laughs> you know, throwing some blues, some greens. You know, make it look more real. But, you know, if it looked more real, it would look less real. That's the, that's the contradiction right there. This guy's always shifting too, which helps. Which helps like visually because if he wasn't moving, that's a very clever touch. And he isn't moving, you know. You notice like you notice like the stuff that doesn't move, like you know you. So, the fact that it's always moving keeps up the reality of it and distracts you enough to like not look for imperfections. Because with all this, I I like how his face looks so small and his mask in this scene. Like actually, like it's pretty vulnerable, which is very funny. He looks pretty vulnerable and old. I mean, you know, he's a little, he's a little more nuanced than you expect as a bad guy, you know. Because, you know, he betrayed his, uh, whatever, his nephew. And now he's trying to get back in the guy's favor. You know, so he can go home or whatever. So a little bit more nuanced than, you know, you might expect. And it works. Because it's very simple. Well, yeah. Again. Nothing. Nothing to really carry with you. (laughs) This is probably a moment where, like, the fakery doesn't work. Oh, this is a nice shot. So now, now, like... Also, yeah. After all those, like... Oranges and whatnot. Now you have all the blues and greens, and that wasn't in the last thing. Because they have a nice contrast now. We'll have blue. They have pretty good chemistry. Like, I think it'd be easy for them not to have good chemistry. I think that, like, Ben, I can see Ben Affleck being a little sleazy or something. Um,. But he doesn't, he just seemed, I mean, he's, you know, you can tell that he, like, wants to fuck her, for sure, you know, which is good, you want, you kind of want them to, you know, it's, you want these characters to desire each other and stuff, so you can tell that's there, but, uh, you know, he's not, I don't know, it's some also respectful of her, I mean, you know, she's, like, this magical being, he's just, like, a normal dude, so. He's a little bit in awe of her but trying to be cool. Oh, this is my favorite part of the whole movie. Here, here's Zeus. Zeus appears. Motherfucking Zeus. Look at these guys. They're giants. And you have the uh, stupid Green Lantern. This is terrific. This is all cut out of the Joss Whedon version too. All right, here's the, here's the guy from the statue. I told you he comes back into play. He's the Atlantean king. And look at that shit. It looks like it sucks. Amazon's come up on their horses. Yeah, this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. So everybody's, you know, very Lord of the Rings or whatever. And so they're all teaming up. I'll watch this shot. This is terrific. Because look at that. So there's a very real landscape, real drop. And then, like, his hand looks real. and The dirt looks real. And then the camera goes up. And it's all digital, bullshit, impossible creation, you know. But it's kind of led you down this primrose path of reality. All right. So that's Dark Side. Looks a little stupid. That's all right. You know, that's okay. I don't mind it. In that moment, it looks stupid. Because he looks better as this goes on. And also, this is a terrifying idea. Just like, you know, creating these huge patterns of rivers of lava. Like, oh man, we are fucked. You're looking at him, you're like, oh, what are you, you going to do against that? <laughs> Can we even cross that? Can we even get to him or do anything? I mean, that's cool, too. I like the symmetry of that. I think of these assholes come out. This, and it's almost a quip. It's on the verge of a quip. There's mother boxes, and then you know you can almost like feel the one liner that would follow that, but instead it just goes on like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna hurtle past that, that and just like even we we need you to buy into this. We need you to accept the that's that's the name. We're not gonna apologize for it or whatever. Oh yeah, it's like the Huns. It's like fucking uh, Mongols. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, Amazons. So this one, so the Amazons get the charge. This is sort of their redemption thing. These guys look so awesome coming down that thing. Everybody's good. Everybody's the start of the battle. They're coming out strong, man. You know, no fear on these motherfuckers. Look at this. Uh, this you know, good vibe. Good vibe carries the day in this battle. See, so yeah, the, what do you call it, Green Lantern? <laughs> it seems like such a weird red herring. Right, there's one. Oh yeah, that's another good shot of the Bug Man. So then they come in. Uh, okay, well whatever. The defenders of Earth attack and fought as one. Zeus and his son alongside the guardians of the sky. A golden age of heroes fighting together to defend life to I Like the way these guys go down so quick like a little snap oh yeah then you have a uh, dark side now here really, he, once he once he starts fighting people it looks great I think like they spend a little too much time on the intro so, you know just him standing and it's not that terrific but then you know, like you they get you, they show what he can do what he's capable of and it is you know it's cool but then yeah then you have fucking Zeus have fucking Zeus fighting him man And it's, uh, the guy the statue guy. He's, he brings it, he's fucking hard too. But Zeus, boom, look at that. Motherfucking Zeus. Big thunderbolt, motherfucker, big lightning. This other dude comes in, doesn't quite seal the deal. There's a good big gash in his shoulder. And then he's gotta be carted off. Big kick. Yeah, these fuckers cart him off. They try to, I, you know, it's all, I feel like they're not in, in enough of a rush to finish the job. But I guess he looks, he's in worse shape than you'd think. Yeah, he's like all woozy. That's fun. And this is the part of, so I got all the stuff of Zeus. The Atlantean statue guy is pretty dope. But this is what I really like. That's what I really enjoy. As I said, before, yeah, look at this, look at this, look at 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 Zeus, boom, nice, the, um, yeah, this is what I like about this, so, the good vibe wins the day, they come in strong, yeah, (laughs) how great would this feel, (laughs) you're facing, like, impossible odds, and you know, it's like, fucking, uh, Grand victory! They all like starts going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's like fucking uh, like Black Sabbath, you know. It's like dan Din-in, dan you know. I like, got like, full on like you know, blood's at full boil, and you're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's big, it's big, big, big. So yeah, you know, you the, like the spectacle part and you know, the. The scope of it is all there, just like you know. I you know, but it's just not much of a, not much of a story. Not much, you know. The characters are, I mean, they're they're as fleshed out as they could possibly be, and even then, they still feel kind of thin, you know. Like who gives a shit about Wonder Woman? <laughs> This guy's real ugly the man the man guy uh, the representative of man is very ugly it's funny yeah the rituals of their culture this is very funny because yeah, you see like this octopus thing and for atlantis, then you see like that Amazon thing happening. you know, then like the People of Earth, it seems like it just like dig a three foot hole and bury it. Yeah. Yeah, Superman is still dead. That's pretty terrific. See this whole like, you know, big epic superhero movie and uh Superman remains dead for most of it. It's very interesting. Alright, yeah, it's the part where they uh they bury the stupid box. Alright. I'm running out of gas a little bit. I gotta find some new stuff to say. I think that this is the end of the next part, which be very, which would be really good luck for me if it's like end of part two coming up. 'Cause maybe I've said my piece. Maybe I have nothing more to say. Come on, fade to black. Oh. Alright, maybe she says a little bit more stuff. But yeah, again, like, you know, there could have been a lot of like back and forth, bad one liners and taking out of the scene, you know, like like Bruce Wayne making a lot of jokes, like, wait a second But you know, it just goes by pretty quick, pretty efficiently. And it takes itself seriously. You know, makes it feel like, you know, I'm confident that when they were doing this, they felt they had a story worth telling, you know, it's cool. Come on, come on, part three or something. Yeah, all right, that's it, Adam out, part three later.